1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The Volume.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome in Friday morning podcast. Let's get right to it. Let's not waste any time. Jordan Poole and draft picks to Washington, Chris Paul, Wizards to Golden State. My reaction, the draft picks are irrelevant. For Golden State, everything is on Steph Curry's timeline. That's also why they got rid of Jordan Poole. I was told after the Draymond Green punch to Jordan Poole that it was a culmination of many things. Jordan Poole trash-talking Clay, trash-talking Steph Curry, trash-talking Draymond Green. And inevitably, that chemistry and that fissure was never healed. There's video of the Warriors during the playoffs. Jordan Poole walking past and pushing Draymond Green. I'm not in any way saying he doesn't have a right to be bitter and... um That relationship was never going to be close. But the truth is, it didn't get progressively better. And go ahead and blame Draymond. Draymond's more important to the team. You know, we see it all the time in sports. Two guys battle on a team, you get rid of the less talented or less crucial player. Draymond Green opted out because he can, and the Warriors are going to pay him more to come back. He is their best defender. He is often their best rebounder, best screener, one of their best passers, catalyst, heart and soul of the team. Curry is the shooter and score, heart and soul of it remains Draymond. They're not the same team when he's off the floor. Jordan Poole comes off the bench and can add offense, but this is on Steph's timeline and Poole is seen as just too immature now and going forward. Now, you say, well, they didn't get much for him. So let's talk about what you get for Jordan Poole. What's his market? What the Warriors are telling you is when Steph Curry misses games or when Steph Curry is on the bench or when Steph Curry takes a rest during the playoffs, they don't trust Jordan Poole, who did not have a very big trade market. It wasn't like a lot of people were calling the Warriors asking about Jordan Poole, an expensive, albeit talented guard with immaturity issues. You look around the league right now, Zion Williamson's immaturity, Ja Morant's immaturity. Jordan Poole is a less talented version of those two. He didn't have much of a market. So what the Warriors were seeking is when Steph is out, missing, taking a breather, big playoff moment. Chris Paul's the grown-up who can fill in and lead the offense. I also believe it tells you something else. Because everything goes through Steph Curry. They gave him a heads up on this trade. He was fine with it. Does it tell you that Chris Paul believes he is going to have opportunities to start and play alongside Steph Curry? Because of Curry's capacity to shoot and ability, and because he's known as one of the great movers without the basketball, Steph Curry can slide over. To the number two. Now it would be a small backcourt. Chris Paul the point. Curry off ball. But Steph Curry is great. Off ball. And what this would allow. Move off. Clay Thompson. Just a thought. Is this the first. Of other moves. Because yes. Chris Paul. Clay Thompson. Steph Curry. But then there's Gary Payton. And Moses Moody. Again. Five guards that need time. You know, you start, you start looking at Golden State, and my takeaway is, the signal I get is they're re-signing Draymond Green. They're not relinquishing Looney or Wiggins. Steph Curry is the face of the franchise. Is this a preemptive move to get Curry to play some two-guard and move off Klay Thompson? Feels like it to me. The idea that Chris Paul is, he's just simply too old again you're not asking him to play big games or big minutes what you're crossing your fingers on is availability in important minutes vital minutes late in the season that's what you're that's what you're making this move for all right i think chris paul comes into this situation eager willing to restructure his deal willing to come off the bench Willing to be the lead and let Steph play off the ball. I think a lot of this works because the Warriors called Chris Paul. He's a high-Q player and said, listen, we'd like to bring you to a winning culture. Um, we're going to ask for some sacrifices. And I think Chris Paul at this stage in his career looked at the Clippers. Really old. Kawhi and Paul George never available. Lakers, really old. Anthony Davis, not often available. And then he looked at the Warriors and thought, Steph, Draymond, Wiggins, Looney. These guys won a title a year ago. So I I think discussions were had between the Warriors and Chris Paul. Chris Paul is agent. Chris Paul, Steve Kerr, Mike Dunleavy Jr. I think Chris is going to Golden State with the idea of being part of a championship team. He knows where he's at at this point in his career. And it is interesting. Porzingis to the Celtics is viewed as a big gain by boston yet boston doesn't have a title porzingis gets hurt a lot they still don't have a facilitator at point guard and jalen brown and tatum are still sort of clunky at the end of possessions end of games yet that's perceived as a win the often injured porzingis who is at times struggle to play with others marcus smart to the grizzlies that is a win They let go of Tyus Jones, a significantly more dynamic offensive player for old Marcus Smart. That's viewed as a win. Tyus Jones to the Wizards. That's seen as a bit of a steal. He is a really, really talented young player. Why is there so much cynicism with winning point guard Chris Paul going to a championship culture? With Wiggins, Draymond, Steph, Steve Kerr, I think a lot of it is kind of a belief that this great dynasty has ended and now it's just going off a cliff. But weren't these same people excited for Chris Paul to the Lakers and Chris Paul to the Clippers? Kawhi and Paul George are never available. LeBron's giving you now 58 games a year and Anthony Davis has given you 60 why are people excited in Los Angeles for Chris Paul to the Lakers that would take the ball out of the hands of Austin Reeves, who's not a natural two guard, and LeBron, who just came off as worst shooting year and doesn't play off the ball well? But they don't think it works in Golden State? Folks, basically Chris Paul's a high IQ veteran player that will spell Steph Curry, high IQ veteran player. And allow Steph to occasionally play off ball. I don't see the miss here. You can't be excited about Chris Paul to the Clippers and the Lakers. And then think it's a fatal mistake. Chris Paul to the Warriors. He's going to have better, more reliable teammates with the Warriors. Better culture with the Warriors. Better teammates, Steph Curry, with the Warriors. I think it works. All right. second thought. Victor Wembanyama going number one, San Antonio Spurs from France. Over the course of my life, I have seen basketball pivot, professional basketball pivot, several times. So when I grew up, it was Wilt Chamberlain, uh, you know the big centers, Bob Lanier, Nate Thurmond. You really had to have a dominant big to be a championship contender. It all started with Bill Russell back in the '60s. And then the emergence of uh, skill and the dynamic athlete, the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants, um, that wing players uh, were now more marketable, uh, more explosive, more talented, and they could lead you to championships. And and then, of course, we have seen the emergence of small ball, uh, where centers back to the basket centers have been completely marginalized, small ball warriors play small, play fast, hit threes. I do think the league is pivoting again. And a lot of it is the European influence of seven foot plus athletes from Europe who are highly skilled. Victor Wembanyama, seven, three, dribble, got the bag, shoot threes. Jokic, point center. Giannis, dominant player, both ends of the floor. And I think it's going to change the league that, that I feel over the next four to five years, maybe longer, that Giannis and Jokic will go back and forth like Bird and Magic did as best player, most influential player in the NBA. Now, Victor Wembenyama in about three to four years may surpass both, may, but I like the emergence of gifted, big European centers. And there's two reasons. One, I think uh, the constant barrage of three-point shots can be boring. It's not terribly layered. I miss big men. I I grew up, you know, we all love what we love at nine years old in sports, teams, players, cultures. I, I miss in baseball, you know, home runs and strikeouts don't do a thing for me. I miss the extra base. I miss stolen bases. That's what I grew up with in baseball. That's why I'll always have a soft spot to some degree on running the football in the NFL. Like, I think it matters, physicality. In the NBA, I like centers. I like bigs. I like physicality down low. Um, So that's the first part of it. The second thing is, I think you get a maturity with a European kid, often over an American kid. Uh, American kids feel like it's their league. The AAU circuit, I don't think, helps team basketball. I'm not sure it actually helps the individual. Steve Kerr said it fundamentally hurts the growth of a basketball player. The American kid grows up with a little bit more entitlement in the NBA. European players come in more mature. They play against older players. They come out of the academy system. Um, like all of us, they feel like visitors to America. There's a sense of loyalty, not being concerned with their brand. It's about winning basketball, being loyal to Milwaukee, being loyal to San Antonio, being loyal to a Denver uh, or a Dallas. And I think that's good for the league. You, I don't think mobility is a bad thing. I have I have defended LeBron James and Kevin Durant for years. But I think ideally, you get players who go to a team and stay in that city for 15 years. Brady, New England, Mahomes, Kansas City. I mean, if you look at the NFL, Favre and Aaron Rodgers primarily stayed in Green Bay. It's okay if you leave at the end of your career, but I think that's one of the secret sauces of the NFL is that great historic players stay in a city for 15 years. I think it's better served for the NBA to stay stars staying in their cities uh, I mean, Shaq's career was always amazing to me. I, I know he left and won a title in Miami, but I, I look at Kobe's career as greater than Shaq's career, and many historians don't because my memories of Kobe are so positive through the Lakers, winning with Gasol, winning with Shaq. He's a Laker. Shaq's career at the end was a hodgepodge of weird fits and weird jerseys. It doesn't. It doesn't to me feel. Uh, as formidable as pure as Kobe Bryant's career, though many people see Shaq as a greater all-time player, and so I think Giannis and Jokic and Wenbenyama and and Luca, I think they're going to be with their teams for a majority of their career, and I think it's good for the league. I can think two things. I think like, I can think LeBron's mobility was good for LeBron, but if you take LeBron out of it, a guy who's jumped from team to team to team and one and one and one, look at Kevin Durant. Should have never left Golden State. He made one jump, perhaps Phoenix two, too many. So we have this perception that the league is, is too mobile. It's really not. And uh, mobility builds great dynasties. Even the Heatles with three Hall of Famers, D. Wade, LeBron, Bosch. Two titles, four years. Not much of a dynasty. So I like the emergence of highly skilled, more loyal European players. I like the layering of it. I miss centers dominating the game. I think they're players that come into this league with a single mission to win games and get better. And I like it. That doesn't mean I can't root for uh, Scoot Henderson uh, or Zion Williamson, John Morant to turn it around. It's not that I don't enjoy watching those players. But the European influence, I think, is good for the sport. It is for my eyes. I loved watching Jokic. That was, I know it's a lot of garbage points in the eyes of younger NBA fans. I thought it was great basketball. Movement, elevation, shooting, passing, everything I love about hoops. Okay, I'm going to now let you hear about 15 minutes of what we did live last night. Uh, Jason Timpf, Hoops Tonight, myself, And the two young guys, Carson and Logan for Nerd Sesh, went live during the NBA draft. The crew edited about 15 minutes of it. Our thoughts, listen, the draft only gives you about three to four highly impactful players. I still love the draft. I love the construct and the architecture of pro sports. Love the draft. Here it is. Do you have some home projects you need to get done? Whether you own the house or you rent it in your apartment, your condo, or your townhome, Angie's List is now the Angie app for all your projects at home. Whether you're moving, installing something, or cleaning something, they have a network of pros that you can rely on. They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. Hundreds of projects big projects, or smaller, more specific projects. It could be as little as a leaky faucet. They have the projects priced up front. It's fair and it's clear. You'll know the cost before you start. Download the free mobile Angie app today or go to angi.com. Angie, your home for everything home. June is championship month in sports, NHL playoffs, NBA finals. Now, you can watch all this stuff on television, certainly, but there's nothing like live and there's nothing like being there in person. For last minute amazing deals on the best tickets to comedy shows, concerts, and your favorite sport, check out Game Time. Download. The Game Time app right now, the redeem code is me, Colin, C-O-L-I-N, $20, 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Go out and have some fun this weekend. Again, download the Game Time app, $20 off your first purchase. The redeem code is C-O-L-I-N. Last minute tickets, lowest prices,
1: guaranteed at Game Time. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Colin, it is great to have you. How are you doing today? Well, I just watched a,
2: a three-minute highlight package that I had not seen before of new Victor Wembenyama highlights. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> video game. His ability. Yeah. You know, I said today that we got poor Zingas in the league eight years ago. You know, the European 7-3 can slash, can hit a jumper. And he doesn't have nearly the skill, of Victor Wembenyama. He, he's a, he has a cruder offensive game. But there are some elements here that we're seeing from European basketball players. Uh, they play against grown men. They come in pretty humble and mature. They've got they can shoot jumpers. Um, you know, Jokic, uh, Giannis, Kristaps, uh, uh, Wembenyama. You know, when I watch him, one of the things that really jumps out to me is just how uh, fluid it is. It's just a very easy. Um, it's not. It's not a soft game, but it's it's pretty. It's a really pretty game. Uh, you know, he'll make spin moves and you know have a little shoulder dip to kind of kind of drive his position. But um, he's just so fluid. The game is, you know, the game. The great players make it look easy. Everything to me, um, the balls on such a string. The way he handles it, he's just a very fluid, natural basketball player. Very comfortable in the perimeter, driving, transition. Um, you know, and let's sometimes you just need gaunt gifts. I mean, like I watched a couple of blocks on the perimeter here on this highlight package. Yeah. It's just, you know, he he can when you can be burned and block the shot. It's one thing to be burned and recover. When you could be burned <laughs> and block a shot, be fooled. You know, some of that length is just uh, he's just a remarkable player. I said the other day, there's only 10 players since Magic. I, I believe were are not only consensus number ones and had no red flags. Um, Wemby, Anthony Davis, uh, LeBron, Duncan Robinson, the key, Magic. Um, I'm missing a couple. Tim Duncan, I think. Um, where, you know, like Wemby is thin. That's not a red flag. That's, re- that's, a, that's a developmental issue. Anthony Davis was thin in the waist. People thought, you know, but if you watch him now, he's obviously the back, the shoulders. I don't really consider that a red flag. Ben Simmons was a consensus one, but was aloof. Uh, didn't make the tournament. Couldn't shoot. Uh, it's hard to find people that said he was communicative or or a leader. John Wall was a consensus one. A lot of turnovers, out of control, could not shoot. Those are great players. But I mean, a no red flag number one since Magic, there's, I think Wemby's the 10th. It's a remarkable rarity in this league for all the talent. And um, I just, those three minutes of video I had not seen, it's, it, it's just different. It's like LeBron's high school stuff. You're right. Like, okay, oh,
3: that's a grown man playing He's a sophomore, or junior high school. Like, that doesn't look like other players. No, he doesn't. I mean, he really is one of one within the scope of NBA history. The combination of, you mentioned, fluidity and offensive skill and shooting ability and the defensive potential at 7'4 with an 8-foot wingspan. Like, there's possessions where he's targeted out of pick and roll and he is just so incredibly massive that you can't offer any resistance. I think it's interesting that you came in talking about these sort of international flavor to his game and the comparisons to Porzingis and whatnot, because this is in some ways an interesting culmination of like the global takeover of the NBA that we've seen where the last five MVP awards have all gone now to international players between Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis. And now we have this totally generational prospect who is officially being selected by the Spurs as we speak. What do you think that does for the health of basketball overall, Colin? Just this incredible, blooming international group of players. Well, Jason and I talked about this. I think it's good
2: for the league. I think I'm old school, so I grew up with Bob Lanier and Kareem. I grew up with Biggs, and I miss the layering. I miss centers. I grew up with Walton. Um, I covered Arbina Sabonis, so I I like the layering. Um, I'm okay with small ball. I don't want to see the whole league go small. I don't want to see every center marginalized. I think, first of all, these are European players uh, because they play against older players in the European culture where you travel within countries on the train uh, system. Um, They speak multiple languages. They're, um, I think, more mature than our players. They come in uh, hungry, hungry, humble, and loyal. I think they're likable players. They're not always the flashiest or the most dynamic. But I think they're mature Uh, They're great players. Um, They're good citizens. They have uh, multiple skill sets. They're very layered. Um, And I've always thought, guys, old school, I like size. I like size in the league. Uh, There's nothing against Morant and Rose and Wall. I understand it. they're dynamic. There's room for that, too. But, man, there is watching Jokic. I think Jokic and Giannis are going to go back and forth over the next six years being the best bird magic, best player in the league for about six years, maybe five. And then I think Victor's got to take it over.
3: Yeah. And what we're seeing is the evolution of the big man to be incredibly skilled. And that's what I think the international pool helps us with. It feels like every year we see prospects who are just inconceivably skilled all around at six, nine and up. And we've got another one of those guys in this class, Jason, with Brandon Miller, who. Has been long sort of seen as the favorite for the number two pick to Charlotte. Now Scoot Henderson has started to really reemerge in those conversations. What do you think goes down with this number two
4: pick? Well, I have no idea what Charlotte's going to do. I know what I would do. I would take Brandon Miller, And and a lot of it just has to do with my view on the archetypes of players. I think there are five core archetypes of players in the NBA. There are playmaking forwards, scoring forwards. Hyper-athletic guards, your star centers, and then your unicorns, which are guys like, you know, Giannis and Steph Curry, which don't really fit into any of those molds. And the hyper-athletic guard is, in my opinion, the least successful archetype of star that we've seen in the Thank you. Between Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose, John Wall, like this, that specific archetype of player, they almost always are bad defenders because they're relied on in large doses to, uh, to create offense. And so they conserve energy on that end when they conserve energy they can be downright destructive to a defense because they don't have the length and athleticism with just their size and uh, long arms to bother things even when they're being lazy they tend to uh, th- they tend to rely on their athleticism too much so they they're, they're not very they're not gym rats they're not good at polishing up their skill set because they have this superpower in their athleticism that allows them to beat their peers without having to work as hard as many of their peers have had to work and so we've seen that archetype fail miserably time and time again I should fail relative to the other stars at the top of the league and the one guy you can point to who really kind of succeeded in that archetype in recent NBA history is Dwayne Wade and a couple things he's bigger than all of those guys he's six four, built like a truck and he was an outstanding defensive player and those two things are what allowed him to kind of break that mold and again he's the exception that proves the rule so to me Brandon Miller big scoring forward uh spitting image of Paul George and some of the fluidity and length stuff uh, only thing I don't love about him is his release is a little low uh, down on his head, which uh, in the NBA, when guys are contesting shots, higher release points like Paul George, like Brandon Ingram, where they're a little bit more over their head, they're better at getting shots off over defenders. That, that's my one concern right now, but I think he's almost guaranteed to be a like perennial 20-point-a-game guy plus for a long time in this league. I think that's the best
2: description. I've ever heard by any analyst on the prototypes of players. That literally is as well done, I'm seriously, I you have um, been able to synthesize all my feelings for years on the air about Westbrook Wall. I always say they're firework shows, they're spectacular, but then somebody's got to clean up the firework show, Who, who's the cleanup crew after with the turnovers, the no defense, but they are so alluring aesthetically, Scoot Henderson, that you fall in love with them. You can't, they're just, they're dynamic. I mean, I'm watching Scoot's highlight takes. It's like, oh, I already like him. i never, never dribbled a ball in the league. I'm already a fan. Guy yeah, shot 27% from threes. Like many of these, they're not polished. They can't shoot. He won't be a great defender. That's really well put. That is, yeah. um, you know, a lot of the things, it's, it's, I, I, my son said one time, he's, he goes, I wish vegetables tasted as good as chocolate. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and that's the problem is most stuff that's really bad for you. Like ice cream is fantastic. And you can eat the pint. Nobody eats a pint of broccoli. And uh, and in small doses, that point guard, when you don't rely on them, can be effective. But I mean, Isaiah and Steph Curry, guys, that's rare where you win a championship through a point guard. And those guys are I mean, let's be honest, they're two of the top 15 players in history, arguably the league. So um, I'm I'm really interested, though, as we're going to watch this live, it'll be on the podcast. Um, if Portland takes scoot within a minute, Portland's going to go from we're not interested in any discussion of a trade to
5: we're taking calls. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. It's fascinating. Sorry, Jason. I think you do make an excellent point. If you look through the past uh, 40 years of basketball, guys, Dwayne Wade is the only downhill rim pressuring guard. That's his first primary skill set that has ascended the mountain and climbed and won a title, you know, not by himself, but almost single handedly. Right. He doesn't have uh, the cleanup crew uh, that Colin's referring to. He's got Antoine Walker and Shaq putting up 13 a night in the NBA finals. Russ Uh, failed in the playoffs repeatedly. is one of the worst playoff performers in NBA history. Derrick Rose sadly gets injured. Ja has yet to do it too. I I think that is the reason that you take Brandon Miller is not only the ceiling too, but I think he immediately helps the Hornets in their deficiencies. One of the worst defenses in the NBA. Steve Clifford wants to reenact, get the Hornets back to being a really physical defense. And they were 29th in shooting last year. How do you maximize LaMelo Ball? One of the best young playmakers in basketball. You give him an elite spot-up shooter. That's exactly what Brandon Miller does uh, immediately. So I think he's the right pick. I think he helps him immediately, but he also has a massive ceiling where I think he could be a lead star uh, scoring wing. We've gone through back-to-the-basket centers. We've gone um,
2: to dominant wings, Kobe, Michael. We got into small ball, 3 and D guys. Guys, the league is getting big, and Europe is part of it. I mean, to me, here's a long, uh, great frame, got to put even more weight on. I look at Brandon Miller and can we argue, and I don't know if this is right or I'm overreacting to recency bias, guys, but it, the bucks were big, the Laker bubble team was big, Denver was big, the Raptors with Mark gasol Sayakam were long. Are we moving out a small ball? And Europe's a big part of this. Victor Weminyam is another player.
4: Is it going back to more of a big league, but a highly skilled big league? I tend to think that, uh, in general, as a society, we 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 overreact the exception to the rule. It's like, yeah. for instance, like if someone said, "Oh, Denver won the title and they were awesome offensively," does that mean we don't need to guard to win? No, that's not what it means. <laughs> you have to be able to guard to win. Like that, they were the exception and. And the same thing goes with that Warriors team. I mean, Steph is literally the only player below six five that's in the top twenty all time NBA players. So maybe anything that he accomplishes, we should just throw aside as like a complete <laughs> outlier. You know what I mean? And and that's the thing. Like, yeah, they succeeded playing small ball. They had a six six center. They played a six seven power forward, and and, uh, and and like that that worked because Andre Iguodala is one of the best perimeter defenders to ever play the game. Draymond Green is a defensive anomaly at his position as one of the best defenders of this era. And Steph Curry is the best small player in the history of the NBA. And so, yeah, you're right. Like, like if you want to win today, you have to go with what has been reliably great. The best indicator of future performance is past performance, not just one specific thing that you cling to. And so uh, another athlete that can help Crash from the perimeter and grab contested rebounds. Like that was an underrated part of that that a Denver team. It wasn't just Jokic bullying people inside. It's Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. jumping over the top of people. It's Bruce Brown jumping over the top of people. Perimeter size is massively important. And to the to the Scoot Henderson Brandon Miller comp, like that's the thing is like Brandon Miller, you know, the worst version of this story is he's Andrew Wiggins. Like that's the worst version of this story. And Andrew Wiggins was the second best player on a championship team. The Scoot Henderson thing. Like It's a huge, wide range of outcomes. That doesn't mean he can't win uh, uh, or or break that mold, but if he did, he would be the outlier, which, as from the standpoint of a front office, means that he's less of a safe bet than Brandon Miller is.
3: Right, and it's the multifaceted impact, and that's part of the value of this wing archetype over the dynamic downhill guard that we all agree on. Logan and I have both been believers that Brandon Miller should go second overall, and he does, And it's beyond just this incredible scoring upside, right? The flashes of playmaking, the versatile defensive impact. He's a better fit in Charlotte as long as they believe that LaMelo is a cornerstone piece for them long term. But now we do have this decision for Portland, which as Colin mentioned, if they take Scoot, you got to wonder if they are simultaneously putting Dame over the edge to where he may actually ask out. Logan... We'll go to you first. What's your expectation for the direction that Portland goes here and organizationally? Uh, if
5: Portland has two brain cells to rub together, they'll deal Damian Lillard. I mean, I just don't understand going in on this core again. I just don't see a title window opening with anything that you can do with this pick. I don't see any stars available on the market that you can pair with Damian Lillard. Importantly, I don't see enough depth pieces to get this roster over the top. I believe in Damian Lillard. Let me make that clear. I think Damian Lillard is still one of the 10 best offensive players uh, in the NBA. I genuinely believe that. I think he's an offensive engine. I think you can win with him as your best offensive player. But around him, you have to have a lot of pieces. I just don't see any area, any route for Portland to take this pick, to take their current assets and build a contending team around Damian Lillard. So I just think you're endlessly chasing your tail When the alternative to this option is to explore taking Scoot Henderson, you put him alongside Ant Simons, who I love. You put him alongside Shaden Sharp, who I love. You have a brand new timeline ready to go with all these young assets that you can build around and chase a title down the road, not chase your tail uh, next season. So I think that's what Portland uh, should do with the pick. Uh, Colin, what about you? What do you think Portland should do? Move down one spot, take a forward Cam Whitmore and get (laughs) <laughs> Something for Scoot Henderson.
2: It's not going to happen, and I know it, but they've been looking for a forward for
5: 10 years.
2: Um listen, I think, I think generally I'm a believer in get talent, figure the fit out later. Um, it is different though. This is not the I said this today. This is not the Packers taking Jordan Love that ticked off Aaron Rodgers. Okay, that's a prospect that needed years. This is the Packers taking Justin Herbert. Bigger, stronger, more dynamic. And Aaron Rodgers going, time out. Wait a minute. I'm not an idiot. What's going on?
0: The Volume.